Greetings, Exxon Nation. This is Dr. Tomorrow, Frank Ogden, from www.drtomorrow.com, wishing Rob and Laura and their family and all the members of the Exxon Nation a very Merry Christmas and a healthy and prosperous New Year. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. We're coming to you live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Toll free is 1-800-610-7035. That is toll free worldwide at 1-800-610-7035. Our email address, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our one simple email address now, X, I'm sorry, website, XZone, what is it? www.xzoneradiotv.com. My guest this hour is Dorothy, Cor- Dorothy Cora Moore, and we're going to be talking about the Atlanteans. And uh, Dorothy, where did your fascination with the Atlanteans come from? Well, it began um, really as a very young child. My sister, Kathy, um, who was three years older than I, a little mm-hmm. more than three years, um, could not. I sent her a copy of uh, The Atlanteans was first a screenplay, and it was just the first half of the story, and I sent her a copy of it just to get her opinion. And she called me, and she said, I, I can't believe you wrote this story. And I said, why? And she said, because when you were a really little kid, she said, I mean, even before you started school, he used to go on and on and on telling people about Atlantis. And she said, um, you were so little and so cute, everybody would just laugh. And she said, and at first you actually called it Atlas, and we didn't even know what you were talking about. She said, but in the second grade you read one of my books on Edgar Cayce. Mm-hmm. And she said, and that's, that's when we uh, learned you were talking about Atlantis. 
And, you know, that's her memory. It's not my memory. <laughs> so, so anyway, I guess it started very early um, that, I, that I told people I was going to write a story about it one day. And um, through the years, I always had a fascination with Atlantis and mm-hmm. would read anything that um, anyone had written about it. And, you know, there have been hundreds of books written on Atlantis. It sure has. And I think I, I worked my way through um, what they had at the South Shore Library in Chicago <laughs> as a child. And um, I just uh, had a fascination. And then in latter years, um, I even got into more of the abstract metaphysical works. Um, you know, the 18 volumes mm-hmm. works with Alice Bailey, written by Alice Bailey, um, that she credits to a Tibetan Lama, and uh, who headed up a certain Lamasri. And those were the most um, intelligent uh, works that I've ever been exposed to. And I checked all the references um, throughout those books on Atlantis, too, to make oh. sure I hadn't forgotten anything or missed something. And so then um, I just... Uh, had the story in my head. Um, I I think it is, you know, anyone can write another book on Atlantis and it's really just opinion from other people's research that you've read. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it would be more important and more interesting to um, place all of my research over 30 years into a story of fiction. All right, stand by. You and I have to take a commercial break. We'll be back in two minutes. Exonation, Dorothy Cora Moore is my special guest, www.theatlanteans.com. And Dorothy and I will be back on the other side of this two-minute commercial break as we continue live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on Talkstar. He's making a time of year when families gather together to reopen old feelings and silver bell records is proud to present a dysfunctional family christmas this is the album your family is sure to cherish for christmases to come christmas time you force a smile everyone is joining in the group denial folks behaving infantile family christmas time hit after dysfunctional hit songs like the almost perfect christmas Timeless favorites like Someday I'll Get Christmas Right. I've got my drinking under control for the holidays. Peace on Earth, where? And the daughter's saw. Presents and wrapping paper, ribbons and bows and all that stuff. Why do we even bother? Nothing we can do is good enough. And this country Christmas classic. Every Christmas when you got drunk, I told the children you were not drunk. And I said, Tommy, you're not being bad. It's just that Christmas makes your mommy mad. You'll get Can't You Let It Drop? It's Christmas. What I want, you can't buy me. Fruitcake and shame. And why am I the only one who knows what Christmas really means? And many more. Underneath the mistletoe, it's a two-by-two jingle bell world. And underneath all those extra pounds is a very pretty girl.
timeless standards, including the classic Carol of Intimacy. Leave me alone, please go away. I'm doing fine, just get away. Leave me alone, please go away. I'm doing fine, just get away. Leave me alone, please go away. I'm doing fine, just get away. Call 1-800-GET-HELP today. Operators are standing by. Oh, one of my favorite Christmas commercials, and no, you can't buy it here at the Exxon, but our toll-free number is 1-800-610-7035. Email exxon at xzoneradiotv.com. You can always chat with me here online while we're doing the show at, well, this is the MSN message address, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com, and our website, www.xzoneradiotv.com. We're talking about Atlantis, that fabled or Is it a real continent that, like other great civilizations in our past, have gone into oblivion, but yet they're always discovered? So tell me, Dorothy, what do you think happened to Atlantis, and why has no one found any hard evidence to support its existence yet? I, you know, I I really think in my heart um, that Atlantis, um, Atlantis' demise occurs right where we are now it was the end of a 25,000 year cycle of 12 ages you know going from the Piscean age into mm-hmm. the uh, Aquarian age and just like we are being faced with some earth changes I think they were too and um, also I think that something happened where the stability of the planet was compromised maybe like what they're doing in CERN Switzerland. Oh, right, with the um, trying to recreate a black hole. Yeah, they're they're messing around with powers and energies, um, which is not something that can be done in a in a, in a laboratory. Um, they're taking tremendous amounts of energy and trying to focus it, and I think that that's a huge mistake. So they're trying to play God. They're trying to play God, mm. and um, they're certainly not gods. And I think that um, that happened on Atlantis. That is part of the story. And I think if you have something important um, to warn people about or to tell or to impart, um, you know, write a story, tell a story, and people will listen. And if you want to tell the truth, you have to write fiction. And that's what I did um, in the Atlanteans. But I tried to place this in the warning about this. in what I hope is an entertaining story. And um, The Atlanteans was very well received, and it received, um, my publisher said I was the only author that ever received a five-star review from Forward Magazine, which is on books and only books. It's kind of like Architectural Digest. And um, I just, um, I, I think that the story is working, but what's inside the story is what's really important. Because it, it's laced with um, prophecy, it is laced with uh, the angels' wisdom teachings, mm-hmm. and I present this in a story that even men like, because the two main characters are best friends from Harvard. One is a lawyer, the other is a doctor, and uh, their names are Teddy Townsend is the uh, attorney, He's kind of tall, blonde, handsome, comes from a very wealthy Bostonian family, was... Um, an only child, you know, lived in a big house, but no one was ever home. And then his best friend and roommate at Harvard, Ryan Stewart, came from a very poor Irish Catholic family on the south side of Chicago. 
He's tall, slender, dark, quick. And um, the story opens when uh, they decide to enter Teddy's uh, 52-foot racing yacht in the Nassau Bahamas race out of Miami. Mm -hmm. And some things happen. A storm overtakes them, and one of the ancient Atlantean magicians, Polaris, takes them back and shows them who they were and what happened the last few weeks of Atlantis's existence. So within the Atlanteans is a 100, it, the book is like 441 pages, and within it is a 100-page Atlantean sequence. So there's a story within a story. And the Atlantean story is really the story of um, the three ru- ruling magi of Atlantis, um, uh, and, and one began misusing his gift and change the destiny of all their civilization. And uh, Teddy Townsend and Ryan Stewart are um, students in the Mystery School, the Temple School of Atlantis, and they experience um, um, the last few weeks and what happened. And so a lot of that is revealed. And then when their weather-torn yacht returns uh, to the Miami Harbor, um, and they're catching their flight back to Chicago, which is where Ryan is from and where Teddy now lives with his family. Um, they see pictured on the front page of the Miami paper, Merrick, the magician who is responsible for dem- the demise of Atlantis, walking up the steps of the White House with the president. And the caption reads that there's an international group of financiers and businessmen meeting at the White House today about the worldwide economic crisis. I, I, have, to, I have to ask you this. With all the, all the talk about Atlantis and, and no one really coming up with any answers, why has this myth lived on? It lives on because it's in the memory of the people who live there. And there's an old... Um, uh, I have at the very opening of the Atlanteans a very short prophecy. It's it's not even one page, but it talks about in the mystery schools of, and I, and I want to say that I think that America, as it once as it originally was intended, included all of Canada. Um, you know, we are really like first cousins to each other. There are no other people in the world. We have more in common than the Americans and the Canadians. But but wait and, a second, hold on here. Let's let's go let's go back into history. Mm-hmm. That the Americans and the Canadians are we're not originally from the United States or Canada. We're immigrants. We're what you know. We're from the western right. parts of Europe. Yeah. We invaded this this country. In fact, we were. Uh, terrorists, if you want to look way back when and use not, the analogy not the ori- of today. Not the sure. original people, though. Uh, sure. My family was here in the 1600s. Um, they were Dutch, mm-hmm. and they were they lived on Long Island. I, I, I know, and, and I understand that. with the Indians. I understand and that. so but, did the Canadians who became... But you Canadians see, during history a, will prove to you that uh-huh. because of the white man or the Europeans coming over here, Nearly 30 million Native Americans and Native Canadians died. If that's not biological warfare or a terrorist attack, I don't know what is. Well, my family traded with the Indians. Mm-hmm. The Dutch of Long Island traded for furs. Right. And they had a wonderful relationship with the uh, I, Indians. I, I understand that, but your, your family history is not that of Native American or Native Canadian, which means that 
you know what? They're right. not true Canadians or true Americans after a while because of the the generational time that has passed, yes, but the and original. I think that that is karma. That happened when the British arrived, and I think that, and I'm, you know, the the, the Stotts family, or the, which are also called states of, of uh, Long Island, married into the Crofts in the 1700s here mm-hmm. in America who came from England. They were masons, stonemasons. And um, we do have that history, but not everyone. And I think there's tremendous karma, which I think that we have tried to correct in America. And I think the Canadians have, too, with what happened to the Native uh, populations who were here for 25,000 years. That's right. And look look, look what we did to their beautiful land. We destroyed it. I think that there is karma for that. But I also think that we are connected to them because I think that they uh, might have been remnants of an Atlantean race. They prayed over this land for 25,000 years, and that's how long Atlantis was gone. But there's no proof that Atlantis ever existed. Historically, there is no proof. It's a myth. Well, Edgar Cayce talked about the fact that there is evidence in three places and one of those places is uh, below the paw of the Sphinx in Egypt. Well, didn't Edgar Cayce also say that in 1968, Atlantis was would rise out of the ocean off the coast of Florida, which never happened? Well, they did find um, parts of, of an ancient uh, wall there. The Bemini Wall. The Bemini Wall. I, I've been diving at it. I think that, um, that Atlantis suffered a pole shift. And that is why. Um, but if Atlantis suffered a pole shift, the rest of the world would have, and then all the ancient mysteries that people believe are in the same time frame as Atlantis would have also disappeared. For example, the Great Pyramids. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue. Live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My guest this hour is Dorothy, Dorothy Cora Moore, and her website is www.theatlanteans.com. My name's Rob McConnell, the guy with the froggy throat today, and I'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Nation. This is Elizabeth Joyce wishing Rob McConnell and everyone in the Exo Nation a warm and loving holiday season. Blessings to all. of Atlantis was an island which lay before the great flood 
in the area we now call the Atlantic Ocean. So great an area of land that from her western shores, those beautiful sailors journeyed to the south and the North Americas with ease in their ships with painted sails. To the east, Africa was her neighbor across a short strait of sea miles. The great Egyptian age is but a remnant of the Atlantean culture. The antediluvian kings colonized the world. All the gods who play in the mythological dramas, in all legends from all lands, were from fair Atlantis. Knowing her fate, Atlantis sent out ships to all corners of the earth. On board were the twelve. The poet, the physician, the farmer, the scientist, the magician, and the other so-called gods of our legends. Though gods they were, and as the elders of our time choose to remain blind, let us rejoice and let us sing and dance and ring in the new. Hail Atlantis! Welcome back, everyone. Dorothy Moore, or Dorothy Cora Moore is our very special guest. We're talking about the Atlanteans. Her website is www.theatlanteans.com. www.theatlanteans.com. Dorothy, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's always a pleasure talking to you because you have got to be one of the leading experts that we've ever had on the show when it comes to Atlantis. And oh, thank you. Um, no, you no, know, it's true. Of you to say. And you're a very straightforward lady, uh, even though you don't have your Christmas decorations up yet. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> what What do you think, or what do you believe, based on the work that you've done and that feeling that you have? And I, I, I can only say that you must have been reincarnated as one of the Atlanteans to have the love for Atlantis that you have. And you had it at such an early age. What do you think the main message of those who are on this planet these days, like yourself, who are from Atlantis, want to get across to the rest of us? Um, You know, I started to um, tell you about the prophecy at the Mm -hmm. opening of the Atlanteans. And um, it's very brief. Um, And it starts out that the mystery schools in China and Greece and the temple schools in Egypt have in common a teaching called the Ageless Wisdom or Ancient Wisdom, wherein there lies a record of a revered and mystical empire called Atlantis, mm-hmm. an island continent ruled by magicians and destroyed by nature some 25,000 years ago at the commencement of the Age of Aquarius. And it is further told that a large mass of land, equal in size to old Atlantis, would be set aside and preserved for her people protected and waiting until their return. Then when the call went out by the watchers of the race, they would come together again from all over the world, and some believed that place to be America. And the legend goes on to say that the Atlanteans, having lost an earlier opportunity, have waited in time until an entire cycle of ages passed, an entire round, 
before they could come together again once more to fulfill their destiny, a destiny of bringing in a new and prosperous age, reestablishing peace, tranquility, and harmony to a troubled planet, and once again restoring the kingdom of God on earth. And then you turn the page, chapter 1, Miami. And I think that that really is a message for all of us. The Atlanteans exist. The Atlantean soul, you know, souls come in and out of incarnation, seeking expression, growing, having experiences, evolving. And those Atlantean souls um, are still among us, and they are in all nations. Um, They are people of all races because a soul experiences many different races before it can move up into the next kingdom that we call the kingdom of God, the fifth kingdom. There are 12 kingdoms, and we're in the fourth. And um, I think that many of us are trying to, in whatever way we can, to tell a story about, you know, number one, there are warnings about this. The Hopi Indians have wonderful traditions, ancient, that are exactly like the Mayan. They're the same traditions, the same oral record that the Mayans had. And Edgar Cayce, um, and they're warning us now about this time, too, because they remember having experienced it before, of the earth changes. And when there's a pole shift, not everything goes down. Some things come up, some things go down. It's just that um, the north and south poles change on the planet. And um, when I was doing my research on the Atlanteans, Um, I had read in um, a very abstract metaphysical work that I mentioned earlier um, that talked about the fact that um, that at the time of Atlantis' demise and the submergence of that uh, continent going underwater, that it was such a horrific event that our planet was literally thrown off its axis and wobbled in its orbit. And... Uh, you know, I never remembered learning that in school, and so I remembered that the moon moved like a bell, but I did not remember about our planet wobbling. Mm-hmm. Never heard that before. And so I called the planetarium. I was writing the screenplay then. Right. I called the planetarium. I was living in Los Angeles and Griffith Observatory, and I talked to one of the scientists there. It's a there. wonderful place, yeah. Um, pardon me? I said it's a wonderful place, the Griffith. Right. And I talked to one of the scientists there, and um, told him I was writing a story and um, that I had come across some information. It was just one line, but I wanted to make sure it was correct. And he said, well, you know, we do have a lot of evidence uh, around that time, around 25,000 years ago, of tremendous floods. He said, I can't say that it was Atlantis. Um, He said that there were tremendous floods. And during that time, our planet was literally thrown off its axis. And we wobble today in our orbit. He said, but, you know, it looks like we're headed toward a pole star. And I said, I thought the North Star was our pole star. And he said, well, we're not fixed on it. We're not fixed on Polaris. And um, and I, he said, it looks like we're headed toward Vega. and We might fix on Vega. And he said, but if not Vega, the next star up. And I said, what's the next star up? And he said, Polaris. And in these ancient records that talked about before Atlantis' demise and the height of Atlantis, that um, our planet was stable, um, our pole star was Polaris, and that it uh, was trining with two other star systems. One was Sirius, and the other were the pointers, Merrick and Doobie. 
and that's how I name my magicians. They're Polaris, Sirius, and you know, Doobie sounded um, very um, feminine and benign, and Merrick sounded more malicious. So I chose Merrick, the name of Merrick, for my black magician, the one who misused his gift, black magic, versus white magic. Not the color of one's skin, but just mm-hmm. magic, the rules of magic. Of um, the black magician, you know, the white magician uses his gift to benefit mankind. And sure, it's just like there's white magic and black magic. Right, and the black magician uses his gift to, for his own gain, mm-hmm. not to benefit anyone else. What would, what would you like people, having read your book, what would you like them to walk away from? What experience would you like them to have? I would uh, like for them to have um, considered some things and perhaps changed the way they think about mm-hmm. things. And there is a lot offered, um, and it's a great book to give as a gift to somebody uh, in who really um, doesn't really get what's going on right now with the bankers because Merrick in America, um, that character who was walking up the steps of the White House with the president, mm-hmm. is actually the head of all the central bankers of the world. And he is located in Switzerland. And he is exceedingly powerful, and it is their plan to take down and I talk about this in the book, it is their plan to take down the United States because if they can take us down, how, how much more easily they could control the rest of the world. We are the world's defenders. Well, it seems that 9-11, uh, 9/11 beat them to it. Well, I think that 9-11 was a sign mm-hmm. that something was going wrong also within our government because there were a lot of people um, who have come forward and said, I think they have 70 um, physicists now who have signed off, and it started with a Canadian f- physicist who said, you know, that there is no way that those towers could have gone straight down and yet you've got in the so, time that they did. And yet you've got so many other people who are physicists, uh, archeo- uh, not archaeologists, but uh, structural engineers who say, yes, it could have. So, you know, you've got both sides of the coin, and whenever... It seems that but, it seems that society cannot live without a conspiracy theory, and those who maintain the conspiracy theory are those who have most to to make from it because they're selling books, they're doing lectures, no, they're selling no, DVDs. Oh, these, sure, these people did not write books, and they have lost their jobs. Maybe they well, and if their their science they, is wrong, they had government jobs and they've lost them now. Oh, um, so so over, do you really, overwhelmingly, do you really think? Do you really think that? A conspiracy that of that magnitude actually took place? Well, let me tell you a little timeline. I remember when uh, Donald Rumsfeld, mm-hmm. who was the uh, Secretary of Defense and headed up the Pentagon. Yep. Um, I remember when he came on television and said that um, like $3.5 trillion with a T, million mm-hmm. dollars, went missing from the Pentagon. Yeah, that was the day before. And then, um, that's right, and that, that those funds were kept in the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. But they said the Federal Bank of New York, of which Timothy Geithner came from that before he became, you know, he was president of that bank before he became uh, Secretary of the Treasury of the United States, mm-hmm. um, although he was with the Kissinger Foundation at that time. Timothy Geithner. So there's that connection. 
And uh, then those records were kept in Building 7. The Federal Reserve Bank told the Pentagon, Donald Rumsfeld, that they had to go and check old records to see what happened and go through everything. But those records were in storage in Building 7, a block away from the Twin Towers. Now, Building 7, when the towers were hit, Mm -hmm. and there are pilots who have said, pilots who were test pilots have said that they would have had trouble uh, sending those planes right into those buildings the way at that altitude and coming in and on one try unless there was a GPS system guiding them there. Why? The buildings are large. They stick up like two sore thumbs. How could a pilot not? I'm not a pilot. I'm just telling you what the pilots have said. But does that make sense to you? Does that make sense to you when you've got the two tallest buildings and a pilot says they cannot fly into it? I think that's a bunch of bunk. They said that they would have had trouble directing those planes directly in the way they were dra- directed in. So then, so that, that, that they almost they almost had to be guided by a GPS system. This is oh, what they are saying. Oh, feathers! And and now you've got all of the physicists also who are losing their jobs now because they have government jobs because they also spoke up and said there was also a chemical found in the building in the buildings that um, is a new kind of uh, death and something new that um, only five companies have ever produced, one in Dubai. Uh, and so they have that uh, trace. Are you talking that about thermite? Building, the towers were shut down. Um, everybody had to leave the building, which had never had happened mm-hmm. before, right before that incident. They said there was a security check, and that's when it could have been planted on the floors. And right where they, they only needed to do it in the stairwells. Then if, that, then if that's the it. case, if that's the case, if they would have done it in the stairwells, uh-huh. which are in the center of the building, not at the perimeter of the building, the explosions that people say they saw would not have been visible. See, there's too many inconsistencies, and I believe, uh, you know, and, and my theory, the my theory, hello, hello, my theory, my theory is that the people who got fired from the government were fired because they were talking about the, the government and, and you know they were spinning a conspiracy theory. And if they would have had the proof, if they would have had the proof, as soon as they got fired, they could have gone hog wild, but they didn't. Okay, I, Rob, um, give me an explanation for this. Mm-hmm. Um, no debris and no plane hit Building 7, but Building 7 went straight down, and it was a block away. All right, here's, here's a question then. If the entire thing, if the entire scenario of killing 3,000 Americans, bringing down two towers was to bring down building, uh, building number seven, why didn't they just bomb building number seven? It doesn't make sense. The entire story does not make sense because it would have taken millions of people to be part There's of this conspiracy. There's always a cover story. There's oh, always something else happening on. to distract people. Come on. I don't buy the conspiracy theory okay, one you don't, bit. You don't have to. It didn't, it didn't happen to you. What and happened to me is I, I, I lost a cousin in that building. What do you mean it didn't happen to me? It I'm did affect me at a very personal level. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't know that. Um, we all have known people who have. I, I think that's a tremendous tragedy, and it's better perhaps for you to think that it was an accident because of having lost No, it's not thinking. So it's not thinking. It's being realistic and not having to blame okay. the government for all my all my own problems we don't have to agree on this at and all. we're not going to believe um, me okay then that's we've fine. got to take a commercial break we'll be back on the other side as the x-zone continues live and around the world from our studios in hamilton ontario canada we'll be back x-zone nation 
with the news. The news from the weird is up next here on the X-Zone. Greeting, Exxon Nation. My name is Dan Clark, author of Life After Religion, Freedom from Beliefs that Cripple the Mind and Kill the Spirit. You're listening to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network at www.exxonradio.com. Thank you. Go until we get some. We won't go until we get some. We won't go until we get some. So bring it. Big time that one bit the dust. I could not take any more of her crap. Oh, she should have stuck to the Atlanteans. I was giving her a fair play there. But she decided that she wanted to get into the Native Americans and how all the the people who immigrated over here were Americans. And, you know, she knew nothing about 30 million Native Americans and Native Canadians getting wiped out in one foul swoop because of the the cowpox, as it was called way back then. Oh, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, 30 million of them gone. Goodbye. And then, and then, what does she do? She comes up with this brainy idea, like a few people out there, that the United States government was responsible for killing 3,000 people, ruining all that real estate, putting the country into a turmoil, causing the wars in Afghanistan and Iran and Iraq and wherever else the brave men and women of the United States services are protecting the freedom of the United States, and God bless each and every one of you. Oh yeah, it had to be the government. Oh yeah, these people, these scientists, these these government workers talked bad about the government. They got fired because they were telling the truth, not because they were crap disturbers. Give me a break, lady. And then she was talking about Edgar Casey. I can't stand him. He's got to be one of the biggest frauds fakes around, for God's sake. He predicted that in 1968, Atlantis would rise off the coast of Florida. Hey, it's 2009, and guess what? It still hasn't happened. Think I'm being a little hard on her? I think I'm not. Listen, I would have been a lot harder with her if she would still be on. But we decided, in all fairness, just to let her go and live her own little life and her own little dreams. Uh, Atlantis, it's a myth. There is no proof. No proof whatsoever. Now, Santa Claus is a myth. The Easter Bunny is a myth. The Tooth Fairy is a myth. The Sandman is a myth. And I'll tell you something. I believe more in them than I do in Atlantis. Her idea about the polar shift causing the big flood and uh, getting rid of Atlantis, well, if that would have happened, 
there would be no great pyramids anywhere because of the timeline. Same timeline, same effect. Cause and effect, that's what the world is truly about. Explanation when we come back from this commercial break, we're going to be speaking to Elsie Bellman. We're going to be talking to her and asking the question, are there any people who died on the Titanic here on this planet now after being reincarnated? That's my question as we'll ask that to Elsie. I'm sure she's got a great answer for us. My name is Rob McConnell, and this is the X-Zone, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Oh, wait a sec. Let me qualify that. As long as you don't go overboard, for God's sake. Atlantis, the Indians, I'm sorry, the members of the First Nation, I apologize for that, and a government conspiracy with 9-11. All in one hour. Not bad. Not on this boy's watch. I'll be back on the other side of the news at six and a half minutes past as we continue right here on Talkstar. Talkstar. 